What would we do, baby, without us? Shalala. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of Alex P. Keaton is my friend. I'm your friend, Phil Vecchio. And on this episode, we'll be talking about The Fugitive, Parts 1 and 2. These episodes originally aired on January 19th and 26th, 1983. And I have with me a very special guest host, Mr. Derek Armijo. Hello, thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. I have a lot uh, of people texting me about because they want to be guests on the show, and I'm glad that I managed to get in there first. You got to do it first, that's right. Well, we thought that would be appropriate, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, for our listeners that uh, may not recognize your name, tell us real quick a little bit about who you are and what they may have heard you from. Um, is this podcast on the Benview Network? It is on the Benview Network. Because I have a podcast called Popsicles with Brent, me and Brendan Creasy and Matt Benson. And Brendan Creasy is your Radio Brendo Man co-host. So it's right. like it's like when Steve Urkel visited uh, Step by Step. <laughs> right, right. They're not it's direct. A good crossover episode. Yeah, not direct, but now we're touching from across the lands. <laughs> you also did another like short run of a podcast that was just you, right? That was called Picture Start. Uh, it was yeah. a movie review podcast that was very ambitious. And it only lasted four episodes because it was too ambitious. But I have a few recorded. Maybe I'll put them up. Yeah, you should. I enjoyed the ones you had. And you always write good reviews on Facebook and stuff. So, Thank you. you. Get your your voice out there. Mm -hmm. We'll do that. Well, uh, so I'm curious now to find out from you, what's your history with Family Ties? Like, did you watch it as a kid? Have you watched it in recent years? How, How well do you know the show? Well, as a fan of Back to the Future since before I can remember, <laughs> and I think to capitalize on the success of the show, it ran in re- – I didn't – I was born in 1986, so I didn't watch the show as it aired. Right. But it hit uh, reruns. It, it The reruns ran pretty steadily from the late 80s to the early 90s. Yeah. And I would catch it on there because I was a big fan of Michael J. Fox. And then it came on Nickelodeon. So I was, I'm was i actually a pretty big fan of Family Ties, even though I haven't seen every episode and I'm a little rusty on most of it. But I did buy okay. the first season the day it came out on DVD. That's how excited I was. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's more than I expected because I knew you were younger than the show. But that's awesome. Right. But I'm a fan and I have an undying crush on Mallory Keaton. That still, <laughs> the flame still exists. As many day. of us do and, uh-huh. and did in the day, you know. Is that so? What is your? I, I mean, I haven't heard the show yet, but what is your relationship to the show? Who are your favorite characters? Well, I, you know, I'm a little older than you, so I did grow up and watching it um, during its original run. Probably not from the first season because um, I was born in '78, so you know, when the first season aired, I was only like four. But as later seasons came on, you know, I watched it with the family. Um, always like looked up to Alex in a way, like thought he was super cool. Um, but also really liked Skippy cause he was like the nerdy <laughs> next door guy. And then of course, you know, everyone had a crush on Mallory. I had a crush on Mallory. She was great. Um, and honestly, as a kid, didn't ever really think that much about the parents. Um, although I kind of relate to them a lot more now. Now you're watching so. it through their eyes, aren't you? Yeah. I see it. I see it a little differently. <laughs> now, do you? I, I, you said you looked up to Alex P. Keaton. So does that mean that you like garnered his super conservative views, or do you feel that now you're the hippie parents 
you know. <laughs> Uh, well, I would say as far as like parenting, we're probably like squarely right in the middle there. I don't think we like super lean either way. However, like I probably looked up to him more because he was a cool and B like always made a lot of money, not because <laughs> of his politics, but like he was always, you know, he'd be reading the wall street journal and having all these business deals on the side. And I just thought that was super cool. I didn't understand the politics aspect of it at all as a kid, you know, um, I just thought it was great that he went to high school dressed in like a tie, and I thought that was really funny. You know, did that ever influence you? Did you ever do that? Uh, no. By the time I got to high school, I was into grunge, and I was wearing like torn <laughs> jeans and flannel shirts and stuff. So, you know, I'd moved past my going to school in a tie phase. Got it. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Sha la la la. All right, so if you would be so kind, we just watched two episodes. In case our listeners, you know, didn't get a chance to watch them, could just give us a a quick summary, kind of rundown of what happens across this epic story here. With spoilers included, or? Spoilers are allowed. If people haven't watched it by this point, then we want them to kind of, you know, know what's going on. So, spoil it away. Okay. Now, the reason I'm on this show is because I told uh, Phil that one of my favorite episodes were the ones with Tom Hanks, Uncle Ned. Yep. And I was more familiar with the season two episode, which I also watched. But so this is, I've seen this one before, but I wasn't too familiar with it. Um, and The Fugitive, which is, which I, I don't know, uh, are you, how, how familiar are you with how many two parters have happened in the Family Ties? Well, up series? till this point in the series, this is the first one. Uh-huh. But there's several throughout the rest of the series. I don't know the exact number, but quite a few. Okay, so in part one, they meet their Uncle Ned, who is Elise's brother, who right. Alex looks up to because he's like one of the youngest executives. Like he has a very strong corporate history. He spoke in front of the World Bank. He won Young Executive of the Year, nineteen eighty one. Uh, he was the youngest vice president at the company that he was at. So they were all excited to see him. And they had noticed that Uncle Ned's kind of an annoying character. He doesn't take anything <laughs> seriously. He's always joking. And then it's they notice Tom Hanksy, right? Yeah, um, he. They noticed his odd behavior, and that he was getting a lot of calls to the Keaton residence. Um, and they were. They noticed it was weird that Uncle Ned was visiting, even though he had just had a vacation a month before. So said uh, the dad. Um, <laughs> Now, that's a good TV dad. He's always suspicious of you, but when he was angry at you, you never felt that he was, he firm, was like, super but angry. Just like his boss, which I saw in the second <laughs> the second season episode when Uncle Ned gets a job interview, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So um, uh, they confront him about uh, what, what, what's, what's going on, and Uncle Ned reveals that uh, the company he worked for acquired a smaller company in order to, for tax reasons, to kind of shut it down and make a bunch of money, tax reasons. And Tom Hanks visited the plant, and there was 1,800 workers, and, you know, he has a heart, so he decided, I can't let this happen. And he said that he was fired because he threw coffee in his boss's face and <laughs> told him that uh, they shouldn't be doing this. And they're like, okay, that's that doesn't yeah. really explain the phone calls, but uh, okay, that's why you've been nervous around here. And then at the end of the episode, the FBI. What city does this take place in? 
Uh, it's in Ohio. I can't remember the name of the city off the top of my head, but it's in Ohio. Okay, so a suburban Ohio chapter yeah. of the FBI shows up at the end of the episode. Uh, Uncle Ned flees, and then they the FBI says uh, that Uncle Ned has embezzled four and a half million dollars. Right. <laughs> um, and it's uh, he leaves their card. He's like, and if you Keatons, this is this is I think they le- they leaned on this the most. If you Keatons are harboring him. <laughs> then you then we're gonna come after you as well. I don't know if that meant the children, the minors in the family. Yeah. This was not a Mallory heavy episode, by the way. Um, no, she was definitely side character. Um, and so he he leaves his card, and there's a very dramatic zoom in on the card as the to be continued <laughs> t- title card comes up, and that's. So much story that they had to over had to overflow into a second part. Well, which... and real quick, at the end there, they lied. Starting with Elise, they lied to him and said they didn't know where he was, which is like the Keatons don't lie, especially the parents. So that was like well, a big deal. Technically, they weren't lying because they didn't know where he went. Well, yeah, but they were pretty deceitful. Um, did they say that Ned had been there? I guess they lied about having seen him. Well, no, him. in fact, they even said, oh, we haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, So okay. they, definitely, they definitely lied. And the Keatons never lie, you say? Well, especially the parents. Like, they really, like, for instance, like, a, a, a friend comes over and Mallory's like, oh, tell her I'm not here. And the mom makes up, oh, she went out. And then she gets all upset. She's like, I don't like lying. You made me lie. Like, <laughs> it's like to that level. So lying to the FBI was like, whoa. It's pretty big, big for the Keatons. Yeah. So in the second part, um, Ned uh, admits that he stole or that he took $4.5 million, which was the money that was tied up in the purchase, the acquisition of the smaller company, and he hid it through computers, which is 80s hacker speak <laughs> that I, I couldn't wrap my head around. But it was hidden, and there was a passcode that only um, Tom Hanks could... Uh, that that he had and then the rest of the episode is the true fugitive the title this is where the title comes in right. now alex is charged of getting of getting uncle ned out of there <laughs> there's a humorous scene where it ends uh at the airport which is a sitcom one room airport <laughs> <Right>. desk <laughs> and right. uh red hats are kind of ruined for me now because of trump uh, I don't know why Tom Hanks would be wearing a bright red hat if he was because he was also <laughs> in disguise. In, he had, right? also if you're trying to you know disguise yourself, a trench coat, a sunglasses, and a hat. That's like <laughs> some, that guy <laughs> has somebody. Airport. That guy has somebody to hide. And at one point, some lady screams for her husband Ned, and Tom Hanks does a a pratfall behind a desk, and uh, it's one of the bigger. Long sustaining laughs of the episode, and uh, <laughs> Alex is trying to buy a ticket. I don't. I forget where they were, where he wanted to go. Um, oh, I don't remember either. But he was trying far. to buy a plane ticket from the guy from Terminator Two. Oh, you did catch that, yeah. <laughs> and uh, apparently, the airport was fine with like Alex giving him a fake name, and he knew like this guy <laughs> was obviously on the run. He didn't care. <laughs> it's fine. He just yeah. want their money. But uh, Alex P. Keaton could not uh, successfully evade the FBI who followed him to the airport and <laughs> uh, Ned flees again. And then there's an altercation at the, at the Keaton home 
where uh, Uncle Ned... This is one of the weirder sitcom apologies, because most sitcoms that have, like, a message end with some sort of apology from, like, the main characters right. to whoever they wrong. This guy's like, I'm sorry that I almost made you felons by having to lie for me. And uh, he almost... This is another sitcom thing. He almost gets away again because he tells the FBI guy, I'm sorry, and I'm out of here. And the FBI right. guy's like, wait a minute. And he's like, what? And then it freeze frame and credits and i guess uncle ned goes to jail yeah that's kind of where they leave it he's being led off by the fbi yeah um not to get too ahead of ourselves again but when uncle ned comes back in season two they don't at all address what happened in the well, first in the first his first arc <laughs> that was but leave it care to, of. but leave it to say that uh uncle ned still feeling the effects of what happened well, we'll definitely have to have you back on in season two. We'll do the next. You'll be on the next Tom Hanks one. So okay, in. awesome. All right. Sha la la la. So yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, it, it's definitely like a different storyline than you get on a lot of of sitcoms because, a, as you probably know, having watched it a lot, we've got a lot of special episodes, mm-hmm. and this one, like you know, they they touch on deep issues, but it's kind of crazy to see like Tom Hanks. In a sitcom setting, you know, I mean, unless you're familiar with Bosom Buddies, like we think right. of now. Which happened after started. this or before uh, this? Actually, um, well, this is a good chance. We're going to transition here into our um, guest star parade. Um, mm. We uh, So we're going to talk, what we do is we'll talk about, you know, the guest stars, stuff they were in, that kind of thing. Uh, so I kind of have a little timeline of Tom Hanks for this episode, so you have context here. Okay. Bosom Buddies went from 1980 to 1982. Was it po- and, was it popular at the time? I don't know how old you were. You're probably just born when Bosom Buddies came out. Right? Well, yeah. So I was like, I was born in '78. So by the time it was over, um, you know, I was like four. But I remember watching reruns of it as a kid. I don't know, like exactly when. And I didn't get, you know, what the whole premise was as a kid. It's just funny that there's dudes, you know, dressing up and putting makeup on. You know, as a kid, you don't get those, you know, the larger context of it. And they fooled um, whoever they had to fool for two whole seasons. Yeah, yeah. I think it was to like live in an apartment. They lived in like a soror- like a like a girl's dorm. Yeah, something like that. So anyway, um, so that happened, and you know that had closed or finished in eighty two. So this is eighty three, like right on the tail of that. And I don't know like exactly how popular it was, but I know it was you know a success enough to kind of propel him into a you know movie career. Uh-huh. So then also in 1982, he did Mazes and Monsters. Which is a Phil Vecchio favorite. Well, I mean, it's kind of a classic, you know, especially <laughs> especially for the nerd um, in all of us. Well, I'll give and you then, a context for that um, in that uh, my friend, you've been to Brian Strang's uh, fest, movie yes, fest, yes. in which they play, they pick a theme, probably, usually an actor, or sometimes it's Christmas or the year, like 1989 mm-hmm. or 1995. And for Tom Hanks, there was, it, the, the premise is that um, there's a movie in each room and a dish in each room that coincides with the movie. Okay. And there's three rounds. There's the appetizer, the dinner, and the dessert. And for Tom Hanks, for Hanksgiving, we called it, um, <laughs> there, there's a, also a thing called the, the bathroom movies where like kind of the lower tier movies that don't get picked are playing in a little portable DVD player in the bathroom. <laughs> Mazes and Monsters was was one of the bathroom movies. It was the bathroom movie. That that probably makes sense. 
I would put volunteers in there as well. I'm not even sure that made it into the rotation. It, it might not have. I don't know. But it was him with John Candy. Because um, they, well, so right after this Family Ties episode in 1984, he did Splash and Bachelor Party. Those are his two movies he followed up with. So, you know, he's starting to get into movie star territory. He did Splash with John Candy. They reunited in Volunteers, and it was not as good <laughs> at all. So you're saying John Candy was in Mazes and Monsters? No, John Candy was in Splash. Oh, okay. With him, so. I was just about to think, oh, there's a trilogy I didn't know that was out there. No, 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 just those two. Just those two. At least I don't think he was in Mazes and Monsters. I don't remember that. I think I would know. So anyway, Tom Hanks, he's famous. I'm not going to go through his entire filmography or anything. Maybe the most famous, likable actor of our age. Yeah. He's He's like the Gary Cooper or something of modern times. Jimmy Stewart. Cary Grant. Yeah. That kind of guy, yeah. What's your well favorite Tom Hanks movie? Oh, that's a, that's a hard one. Let me see. It's not Inferno, which just came out. <laughs> um, see, then he has like a, the Toy Story movies. Horace yeah. Gump is good. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a hard one. I would say, if I had to just blurt out one, that it would be, I guess, toy, the Toy Story films. All right, that's good. I'd have to go either Big or The Burbs, probably. Burbs is a good one. Burbs yeah. is, like, weird to watch Tom Hanks' last, like, B-movie yeah. jaunt before he got really famous. Well, and I, I love his, like, modern stuff, but I've always, I've always been a fan of his, like, more just straight-up comedy, goofy stuff that he mm-hmm. used to do. He doesn't really do much of that anymore. Did you know he was supposed to be in, I think it was Jingle All the Way? No, really? Or that was like the kind of like, oh, Tom Hanks has to find a toy. <laughs> I forget who the, the it wasn't going to be Sinbad. It was like somebody else equally A-list, but it ended up being Schwarzenegger and Sinbad. But. I think I think we won in the end there. I think that was a pretty good pairing. I learned that at a, like a family party where uh, an older relative was trying to tell me, they're going to make this movie with Tom Hanks trying to find a toy like the like the Tickle Me Elmo's, I'm like, not only has that not only is it not Tom Hanks, but that it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, and that movie is out right now. I have it on video; you can watch it right now. And I remember he got really excited, and we watched it. <laughs> it's a good movie. It, it's an unsung classic. All right, we got a couple other uh, guest stars that are in this episode. Um, first. We had uh, the guy, Mr. Carlisle, the FBI agent, mm-hmm. and uh, he's played by an actor named Richard Venture. I thought he was really funny, like super goofy. That sounds familiar. Is he in bigger he, things? He was in a ton of like sitcom TV spots, but almost all of them just like one-offs. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think he had like a any like real TV regular spots. The only like most, the thing that I recognize him from is he is in an episode of Seinfeld. Um, playing what uh he was he was in the episode episode called the letter is a character uh named leonard west so just in one episode but um, leonard west yeah to look him up like the cheever letters is that what that episode's about no the susan's the parents letter. oh the one where like jerry writes a letter i don't know I, it's that's that's seinfeld cast sorry yeah yeah well i don't remember 
I've watched all the Seinfeld. I can't place which one this one is, but I'm pretty sure the Cheever Letters is a separate one. Did you see Get Out, the horror movie? I haven't yet, but... Um, when you do, there's a very big Seinfeld cameo. I even thought of you, like, oh, oh Phil's going to nice. like this. Well, well our plan is to go see it uh, sometime this week. My brother saw it, and he's like, you got to go see it. So sometime this week... Uh, this is the year for out. horror movies where the title is slang for leave. Get Out. And split. Oh, split. Oh, yeah. I was thinking of rings, and I'm like, I don't <laughs> know how that works there. <laughs> um, okay, so another uh, one of the guest stars in this one um, is, you You recognize him as his name is Earl Bowen. He was the uh, attendant in the airport. Yes. And uh, he, as you mentioned, he's in from the Terminator, Terminator 2. And Terminator 3. was in 3 too, right? Yeah. And then, he has a very bad cameo in 3. He uh, who's Doctor Peter Silberman in those. Yeah, um, he's he was in a ton of stuff. I think he had something like two hundred credits on. He IMDb. might have even been in the Sarah Connor Chronicles. He might have crossed over to that. It's possible. Well, he also did a lot of like video games. He does a ton of voice acting. Um, so yeah, he's he's been in a ton, a ton of stuff. You definitely, it's it's one of those guys that you recognize because he's just been in so many things. Uh-huh. Um, he also was an episode of Seinfeld. He was in the Pony Remark, oh, the yes, one yes. where the grandma dies, and uh, he's the eulogist. He speaks at her funeral. So he's passed away. He's he's passed on. I, in real life, I think he's still alive. I think I remember reading that he died. And, well, it's possible, but I just looked. <laughs> Let I me. What, what's his name again? Earl Bowen. B O E N. While you're oh. looking up, I'll just give a couple other highlights. For me personally, he's in Naked Gun 33 and a third. Is that your fantastic. favorite one? Uh, I don't know. I mean, probably the original one is my favorite, but I love them all. Um, that is the one that has Weird Al in it, so, you know, that's definitely a plus. And and uh, Phil Donahue. Um, he also was in a TV still show. Still alive. Called... Yeah. I can't believe that. No, wait, wait, wait. Her death. Oh, so he's still alive. He's kicking. Yeah. Um, he was in a TV show called Otherworld, which my cousin actually uh, was the star of. It was a <laughs> very short-lived. It got canceled after, I think, like eight episodes or something. Um, but anytime someone was in that, I got to mention it and give them a little th- shout-out. For Tony O'Dell, he was also uh, in The Karate Kid. Did you know that? The the Mr. Sibberling guy? No, 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 my cousin. Sorry. Oh, your cousin was in Karate Kid. Are you your cousin Ralph Macchio? Is it really Ralph Vecchio? No, he is one of the uh, the gang members in like in uh, you know in the the, in the the skeleton costumes. Yeah, yeah, he's one of those. He had like like two lines maybe, and they're like you know he was like a featured background player or something like that. That's pretty exciting. So yeah, and uh, oh, and also finally, uh, Earl Bowen was in The Man with Two Brains, the Steve Martin movie. Did you ever watch that? No, that seems like a Phil movie. Oh, I, I love that movie. <laughs> I made everyone in college watch it. It's it's so dumb and awesome. It's great. You know what uh, I should do for my TV podcast because everybody's doing it? I should that? do, and I don't know how to find the episodes because I don't think it air, there's a, any way legally to get it is um, Out of This World. Okay, do you remember that? that? That one is where Burt Reynolds is a alien. And he slept oh, with yeah. Donna Pascal, and they have a daughter, Evie, who is half human, half alien, and she's oh kind of gosh. like a modern day bewitched. She has telekinetic powers, but 
I used totally to watch that show, that show all the time. Everybody did, and I think I can bring it back. I think I can find yeah, if you everybody can find that was in that. To be able to watch it. Although Uncle Bino died last year, unfortunately. Oh, Uncle Bino. <laughs> uh, Jeff Alaski, okay, voice of Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny after uh, Mel Blank died. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Um, okay, two more real quick uh, guest stars were in this episode. One of them um, is funny. The the guy who was um, the the CEO of the company, right? Uh, Mr. Peterson, mm-hmm. um, who weirdly came along with the FBI guy <laughs> to the Keaton's house. That guy's then, looking after his interests. Yeah, I just I wonder if the FBI often invites like interested parties to come to like <laughs> fugitive like hunts and stuff. I don't know how that works. Well, it was um, a corporate, you know, white collar crimes. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, his the actor's name is Woody Eney E N E Y, um, and he's he he was in a ton of stuff. Also, the only one I think maybe that you are super familiar with is he was in Homeward Bound: The Incredible Journey. Who was he in that? Was he a voice? He was the Forest Ranger Mark. <laughs> yeah, that's what the kids went for. The Forest Rangers. For- <laughs> was he in Homeward Bound? The original version or the '90s version? The '90s one, 1993. That's why I thought you know that might be in your. Did okay. you see that in the theater? Oh, that was a I not in the theater, but that was a big um classroom watch. I feel like I watched that in a oh, classroom yeah. like a dozen times. I bet. That's another good podcast. Classroom watches. Stuff that there you watch for the first time in a classroom. Okay, so he was in two other TV shows, and this is just a test just to gauge like your age and experience. Um he was in the the greatest American hero. Are you familiar with that show? That I've never seen before. Okay, have you, have you even heard of it? I've heard of it, definitely. Do Should I watch it? you know the theme it? song for I the I definitely do, yeah. Oh, what's the theme song? It's, uh, believe it or not, I'm yes. walking on it. All right, that's very good. Um, and then he was also in Different Strokes. I'm sure you've heard of that. That I'm very familiar with. Do you know the theme song for Different Strokes? Wow, the world don't move. <laughs> yeah. You would be to just one drone. I'm very, that's, another, that's another podcast there just talking go. about TV theme songs. I'm impressed because those are two that were like before you were born. That you, well, what was the first one that I knew? Um, Greatest American Hero. Yeah, that that I think is on Hulu somewhere. But Different Strokes aired in the afternoons when I was a kid, so I'm familiar with that. It was weird watching '80s shows in the '90s because <laughs> you're like not sure when it aired or like what time period it was. It was weird, like Punky Brewster was another one where like what was this on regular television or is this happening right now i don't know right. <laughs> um okay our final guest star and this one i thought you would enjoy um she's the lady that just like shouted out in the <laughs> thing. she's credited as lady she shouts out ned or as woman sorry um her name was ida reese marin mm-hmm. and she actually had like a pretty extensive filmography she was in turner and hooch with Tom Hanks later on. Later on, yeah. So I'm wondering Maybe if this is this was the the, ep- yeah. the episode that sparked that friendship. She liked how he liked how she shouted out Ned, and she's, he's like, "We got to get that lady back." Um, but also, she was in Ghostbusters. Who is she in Ghostbusters? She's Lewis's neighbor. Oh, oh! Is it the lady that when she sees the dog, she runs back into the apartment? I, I believe so. Yes, that is extensive. Um, that is a very good podcasting. You found the, the late, that lady that did that was also in Ghostbusters and you didn't 
you know, let that, you know, be lost on us. And I commend well, you for that. I feel like that information needed to be out there. And I know you like Ghostbusters as I do. So, yes, there you go. Is she still alive? Probably not. Uh, I know she is. I believe she is not. Let me ask you a question. Okay. Do you feel sad when you see that the Seinfeld parent characters are like dropping like flies? I do. I mean, I don't get caught up in the like public mourning of like famous people as much as I think a lot of people currently do. I know that's like kind mm-hmm. of a big thing, and maybe that makes me cold hearted. I mean, it's not that I'm I'm not happy that they're dead, but I recognize uh-huh. when you know, especially like when they're older and they've lived long, full lives and gave us a lot of cool entertainment. You know, definitely because I mean, it doesn't feel like anybody on Seinfeld's age because it just airs constantly. It's like frozen in time. So it's a real marker when, like, oh, Uncle Leo died, and you're like, he didn't seem that old, but that was twelve. That was all twenty right. years ago. Next year will be the twentieth anniversary of the end of Seinfeld. Wow, I watched that live like twenty years ago. That's nuts. Anyway, that's why I that's I, I sort of feel that when I when you talk about the guest stars of these old eighties shows, like because a lot of them. Older people worked a lot more in the seventies and eighties. Yeah, you don't yeah, really see a, a lot of older environment. actors. Because now, when you have a parent, it's played by someone who like is just a couple years older than whatever kid they're playing against. It's you know. Joey Lawrence, yeah, or something, or Clarissa. <laughs> and I guess that's the same as like because when I was in the nineties, my parents would be like, "Oh, my TGIF was the Brady Bunch," and I guess that's happening now. Because, yeah. you know, all those 90s stars are, like, popping up and stuff. Yeah. And it's weird the, the way the cycle kind of repeats. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that our parents talked about, like, we were like, what? What are you talking about? And now I just feel like the kids today are going to have no idea about the stuff that we watch as kids. That's why we have to do these podcasts and keep it alive. And that's why you as a parent make sure that you educate your your kids on like peewee and do they watch yeah. family ties with you uh not yet i mean it's a little you know probably i'm not gonna say above them but like you know they probably get doesn't hold their them. interest yet yeah it's there's not much there i mean they have there's a cute kid but for the most part it's just like adults talking and that's that's boring you know they want to identify with a child character yeah eventually okay. we'll get there but i you know I'm, I'm sure you're yet. on it. I'm I'm not going to yeah. lose any sleep thinking, oh, I hope Phil, Phil's kids find family ties one day. I'm sure you'll <laughs> take care oh, of don't that. Don't worry. We, I've got a whole pop culture, you know, exposure schedule mar- you know, mapped out for them. So Do you? They're fine. Oh, sure. I mean, you know, loosely. I don't have it written down or anything, but, you know. What, what like, up. let's say, what, what, what come, what's coming in, like, five years, like, when they're, like, ten years old or whatever? Well, okay. Well, that's actually sooner than you would think. Audrey's eight and Luke is six now, which is crazy. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I would say, like, we're coming up to Goonies and Ghostbusters, you know. Okay. Um, that that's type cool. of thing. Like the mm-hmm. 80s movies that probably would be PG-13 now, but were PG then. Yeah. That's, that's probably that next era of stuff that we're going to get to. And they like adventure, so they'll probably like the Indiana Jones movies. Oh, yeah. Well. That's that. Yep. Absolutely. I That's mean, already exciting. they've done like Star Wars and Neverending Story and, you know, stuff like that. So Princess Bride, we're in the, you know, that type of era right now. And you'll never show them the prequels. 
I'm not saying never, but you know, um, with they might love them. context. They might because they're you know, aimed at we'll their the age. Talk. They know they exist now, and I've said this before. This is like a total sidetrack, but as far as the Star Wars prequels go, um, I want to approach it like you know, like you would the talk that you have with kids. Like I, I want them. I don't want them to know about it before they're ready, but I don't want them to hear about it from the kids on the playground. So I want to make sure I'm the one that has that conversation with them. So that's you know. another thing you should be chronicling <laughs> audio wise. Yes. Yes. Well, we've, we've watched like the original trilogy and the new movies with them. So we'll, we'll get there when they're old. Okay. Well, back to family ties. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, there's a, a section that sometimes we talk about if there's like archaic jokes or references to things that modern audiences might not be familiar with. Um, and there's just a couple things that I picked up on. I don't know if you heard anything like this, but for one, they talked about the show Chips. Is that a show that like you're familiar with? Did you know about Chips? Um, I know, I knew. I think because in the '90s there's like a '70s nostalgia wave, so I definitely right. heard of Chips. I didn't watch Chips or anything. There's going to be a new Chips movie out next month, right. so I guess that's not archaic. It's still on our lips. Well, right. That's and I was wondering like how many how many kids or teenagers would even know what that is. What was the chips reference? I forget. Um, oh, that Mallory's watching chips, and Alex <laughs> says like that's a stupid show, and she's like it's great. Yeah, he, uh, he's she's like uh, he's really cute, or no, Eric is cute, and she's talking about Eric Estrada who plays Ponch on Chips, and he was like the heartthrob from the show. You know, God, Alex, so, leave Mallory alone. Just let her enjoy life. I know. Well, he's he's very he's very uptight. Very. Which I guess maybe that's one thing that I probably did uh, take after him, and <laughs> whether I knew it or not, as <laughs> as a bossy sibling, you know. Another a thing that I failed to mention before, I don't know if this fits, is that there was a big conversation about Ned's actions and whether or not, um, what well, what's the dad's name again? Steven. Steven? Yeah. If whether Steven and Elise would have applauded him back in their hippie days right for doing what he did and they said this is different but you know I I kind of side with Ned it takes it's like he's kind of like the Edward Snowden of his day he completely yeah. ruined his life just to you know save to protect those it, people yeah yeah so I mean I mean you got to you got to admire something like that but Steven was very I don't know I mean it didn't affect Steven at all and he didn't hurt anybody, but Stephen was so mad at them, and so was Elise. Why were Why were they so uptight about it? Well, okay, two things. One, I think before Ned even came, you could tell Stephen was a little irritated by him. I don't think he like really liked him a whole lot. Uh huh. And then for you know whatever past history they had, and two, I honestly think a part of it was just him putting them in the position of having to lie and cover for him and stuff. Right, even yeah. more than what he actually did, but that he put them in that position, which I mean, understandably, if they really are like harboring a federal, you know, criminal, that's that's kind of not fair to put your family in that situation and they don't know about it. Let me give you a hypothetical here. All right. So, Brendo man, your friend, my friend. <laughs> okay. He uncovers the Russian hacks on his his job, his, the school servers. It was hidden in the Ukaipa uh, school <laughs> district, and he finds them. And he decides to, you know, reveal them, and it's, like, illegal. And let's say the FBI are after him. He, he's walking up your driveway. Do you harbor 
Brendo Man, Fugitive from Justice, who is just trying to, you know, get the truth out there? Or do you do you think about your family and you, do you protect them? What do you do with the Brendo yeah. Man if that's, he's a fugitive from that's Justice? That's tough. Okay, do I know that he did that? Yes, he or tells you. Or is it you, like, it's not like Family Ties where they were like unaware at first? Well, let's say he hides it from you at first and there's a bunch of zany misunderstandings. But <laughs> okay, he eventually... There's... There's eventually a kitchen conversation where he goes, okay, they're after me, and you need to hide me for, like, a couple days. Interesting. I mean, I don't know. Like, my first thought is, like, you know, I can't jeopardize my kids. I would want to do a little more research and know about the legality of it before I, like, jump to any conclusions. Because I'm not going to make my legal decisions based on what I learned in a sitcom, you know. Is all well, let's say that, you know, while Brendo Man was out at, like, a wrestling event or something, the F- it's like the exact same thing. The FBI comes to your house and they're like, listen, we're looking for the Brendo Man. And if you're hiding him, you're going down with him. And then Brendo Man comes back and he's like, listen, I got to stay here. What do you... Just hide me in the orchard that's, or something. That's tough. I mean... I think that I would offer some kind of a like I need pli- I, I need what is it called plausible deniability right so you, you know say if you want to hide in the trees in yeah the back. I'm not I can't stop you from hiding in these places <laughs> or something you know what I mean like I think right. I'd have to go that route because I would have to protect my family but at the same time like you know would you give friend, him a night one night I don't know I mean you know. The orchard's pretty big. I couldn't stop someone from hiding back there. I often wonder, like, you know, if helicopters are flying above, sometimes, they, like, they're looking for someone. I'm like, someone could be hiding out in the orchard, and I'd have no idea. I would not. If I saw, like, uh, the floodlights, you know, when you see the hel- the helicopters that are pointing uh-huh. down, and they were anywhere near your house, I would not go in the backyard, because it's a, it's a jungle out there, and I imagine it gets very dark. Oh, it does. It's very dark. There are no yeah. lights. Yeah. So, interesting. So, you, you, you protect you. You, you try to find a happy medium. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I, I, I think so. I mean, it's hard to know what I would actually do. But that's what I think I would do. Let's say he downloaded the Russian hacks into your like amiibo profile. Or whatever. <laughs> would you like get? Would you like? Would you like turn him over and stuff? And like, what if the evidence was in? In, in, like, your garage or something, would you cooperate? Well, yeah. I mean, I think at that point, then then he's, like, just blatantly trying to pull me in with it, you know. Okay. That, you know, know. you know. Plus, he's I, messing with my Nintendo stuff. And why is he ruining my <laughs> Nintendo stuff? He should have picked a different target, that's for sure. Um, well, that's, you know, that's that's good to know. I hope Brendo Man doesn't, you know, do that then. I hope I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't put me in that position. Unless it's, you know, something that's truly good and right and stuff. I don't know. It's tough. Sha-la-la-la. Well, uh, having watched these t- couple of episodes here, did you have any, like, favorite quotes? Something that stood out or a favorite joke or anything like that? Well, definitely the screaming the net and him jumping over right. <laughs> the, the, the desk. But there was a great comic bit where... Alex was explaining to um, Ned, you know, who's a, you know, he's gone pretty far in his career. He's like, here's what happens. There's the health of, or there's the well-being of the 
of the workers, which is represented by this bowl, and then there's the corporate health that we need to consider, <laughs> which is this banana, which doesn't make any sense, right. but, but to set up what Tom Hanks is about to do. And he's like, well, you got to think that uh, all these workers are going to go on employment, which is a drain on, you know, the Federal Reserves, and he puts, like, uh, <laughs> banana and cream, and he's like, then there's the human element, the human factor, and uh, and then there's this and that, and, uh, and then he ends up making a delicious bowl <laughs> of uh, cereal for himself, which again breaks down his ana- uh, his analogy, because then you you have a delicious breakfast that you right. made for yourself. That was I like that bit. Yeah, and he pulls it off just beautifully. Tom Hanks's comedy era. I'm telling you, it's good stuff. Uh, my favorite quote was uh, when like the the FBI agent guy. I thought it was really funny too, and uh, they're trying to like you know get information out of him, and they're like. Oh, did he do something wrong? Like, why are, why are you looking for him? And he said, ma'am, the FBI doesn't go looking for people unless they've done something illegal. It's a new policy. So does that mean that uh, saying the FBI was like a bad thing before? I don't know. I think he was just being goofy. Because also, it's kind of a misnomer because, uh, or misconception rather, because they do look for people that haven't done something illegal. They look for people who've been kidnapped. I guess because... Elise and Steven are like the straight. I mean, are they the main characters of Family Ties? Who's the main character of Family Ties? It definitely becomes Alex. Um, the first season, it's, you know, I mean, he's a rising star, but they also kind of rotate, you know, where an episode will be focused on, you know, this person or that, like sitcoms typically do. But definitely so the, the standout star is Alex, you know. The, they're the straight men that are, you know, reacting to Alex's. You know, tomfoolery. <laughs> so that's why they had to make the FBI guy, like, such a zany, silly dude. It was weird. Right. Yeah, because they're already the, like, stern, you know, the uh-huh. authority figures. That was weird. Not a lot of Jennifer uh, uh, sarcasm this. I don't know if they had developed that angle in the show yet. Yeah, the, usually they do. I feel like this episode, or these two episodes in particular, really the, the focus was on Tom Hanks, you know, as the guest star. Um, you know, all three of the kids kind of took a back seat. Uh, you know, they each had little bits of things, but it was much more a Tom Hanks episode than any of the kids. So, you know, which uh-huh. is to be understood. You got Tom Hanks on your show. You're going to put him to use, right? And they did. And they, and they did. They got three episodes out of him. Which is pretty good. This is all pre, pre-Forrest Gump. So, you know, they had to get him while they could. It was weird that they just kind of don't even give you, because with the sitcom formula was they just want the intrigue they want the chase right i mean i figure that there'd be like a scene at the end they're like oh it looks like ned's getting 20 to life that goes to show alex that you can't blah 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 blah. yeah they didn't even give him an epilogue it said when he comes back in season two he's got a drinking problem and everything's falling apart around him (laughs) and that's that's what he gets for his heroics that's i guess i guess so what are they trying to say? No easy answers in sitcom world. Well, there usually are, but not in this one. Sha-la-la-la! All right, well, to wrap it up, what's the moral of this episode? It's what hard to say to because, okay. you know, your kind gesture, your throwing away your life is met with... Uh, they should have let him just escape and be on the land. Instead, he gets... I guess it's one of those conservative morals that, like, crime doesn't pay, I guess. Or, I, I mean, I kind of saw it as, like, is doing the right thing is worth it, even if there are consequences. 
Something along those lines, you know. Would you do the same thing as Ned if you saw that 1,800 people were going to lose their job? I mean, I'm not sure I would have done it in the same (laughs) way. Like, and it also, like, okay, so it's one thing for him to say, like, no, I'm not going to go through with this and blah, blah, blah. But then their whole, like, embezzling a bunch of money, like, I just feel like there might have been a less, like, you know, illegal way of going about protesting the situation. That's the Phil logic. That yeah, there's always I, you're like uh, Captain Kirk. <laughs> exactly. There's no, there's no no win scenario. Yes. There's got to have been some other way. Go to a competing company and write up a plan of how they can make better money by outbidding them or something. There's got to be a way. I mean, I it was of the essence here. You had to act quickly. Yeah. Well, and you know maybe maybe that's how it worked, and he used his you know computer wizardry to solve it. And, that's, I guess that's good for him. I don't have computer wizardry, so I'd have to be, you know, I'd have to think outside the box. <laughs> All right. I don't know if I would do it. I'd probably just quit. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. I mean, because <laughs> yeah, who else, if he's the one in charge of this big merger or whatever and he quits, that could just mess up the whole thing and then it solves the problem anyway. So, yeah, and you could probably find a job elsewhere. He has problems finding a job in... His next episode. Well, I don't because want, I don't want to keep teasing. Criminal, it. you know. Yeah, they don't say if he like had any jail time or. I mean, that's a. It's like when I know that we have differing opinions of the Force Awakens, but when the yeah. Force Awakens opens, that you don't know anything about the political climate of like who did did, did they win? Did they rebuild? What do they do? Who's who's in charge of these Empire guys? Who's the who's the the, the stronger the political. Uh, uh, you know, force. Uh, I, I had too many questions. Well, it tells you all about it in the opening crawl. Everything you need to know. You just got to read it. No, you you don't know like who. You don't. Okay, so it it kind of has its cake and needs it too. It says there's a new republic, but then there is a resistance within the republic. Like, why isn't is the pro republic not wanting to oppose the the first order? And like, who started the first? I mean, there's a lot of questions. Well, I bet we'll have some of those answered in the coming years. Well. Hopefully, how does that I'm looking forward in? to the next one. Oh, because and in, in the I mean I'm getting ahead of myself again. Then the next Ned episode, they don't you know let you know what he you know what his comeuppance was or what oh, like, okay. what yeah, happened yeah. to him. I got you. Okay, they just start the new adventure. They start with the BB-8. <laughs> Sha la la la. Well, we'll definitely uh, have to have you back, like I said, for that one in season two, so we can look in that deeper. But I think we're going to wrap it up here. Thank you so much again for joining us. Thank you. Uh, next week, we have uh, another, not uh, Family Ties guest, but a little minor celebrity, just a little tease there. So keep an eye out for that. Um, I'll tell you after we record who I'm talking about. Okay, cool. And uh, thank you, Derek Armijo, for being here. Um do you want to plug your stuff? Give us some websites where we can find you. You can listen to Popsicles at, uh, well, Brenda usually does this. I think it's popsiclescast.com. And the Twitter would be at, just follow, follow the Brendo man. He has all <laughs> the, he has all the links. Well, Popsicles on Facebook also, and it's P-O-P-S-I-C-K-L-E-S, correct? It's on the Benview Network, yeah. com. It's a great place to find it and this show and many others. Yes. Excellent. How would you feel? Because there's one of the newer podcasts is called Faux Boys, which is a podcast about Doughboys. 
How would you feel if somebody did a podcast that's about your analysis of I, each episode of Family That would be Thug? fantastic. I would, like, listen back to it. It would be like an endless cycle, you know, like putting two <laughs> mirrors against each other. Then I would talk about what they said about my show on the next episode, and the cycle would repeat. That's you, the internet. And if you want to do that, anyone out there, please be my guest. What would it be called? You're, this is Alex P. Keaton is my friend. <laughs> I guess you could call it Phil Vecchio is my friend. There you go. See? <laughs> That's perfect. Cool. I like it. You go for it. Anyone that wants to. <laughs> Sha la la la. Well, with that, I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, thank you, listeners, for being out there. Um, if you want to follow along uh, with watching the show, uh, Family Ties, you can watch it on Amazon Prime. It's included with the Prime subscription. And uh, you should definitely do that so you can keep up. Also, you can find us on Facebook and alexbkeatonismyfriend.com. Uh, you can also send us an email at alexbkeatonismyfriend at gmail.com. And uh, with that, I'd like to say one more time, thank you to Derek for being here. Thank you again. And we'll be back uh, next time for another very special episode of Alex B. Keaton Is My Friend. What would we do? Without, without us, what would we do, baby, without us? And there ain't no nothing we can love each other through. And what would we do, baby, without us? Shalala. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BendUNetwork.com.